Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Are you glad to be in our new home? Can we give a hand clap for an amazing space? I honestly couldn't be more excited. Did, did you, you, you acclimated well, I'm really proud of you. Now you have cameras here, and I wanna say hello to the families that are in our family room. If you have a young child or a baby with you, we actually have a projector and sound up just for you so you don't miss out. Eventually we'll be streaming, so when you're not able to make it, you can pop it up on your phone and, or laptop or whatever. I'm excited about what God's gonna do, but most importantly, I'm excited about what God's doing right now in our lives, right? I'm excited because I think he is up to something big. I can already feel you guys just literally judging my shirt right now. I can feel it. So take a moment, bask in it, soak it in, and let's move on. Can we move on? All right. Somebody asked me where I parked my yacht. I don't have a yacht. I just like the shirt. It's loud and boisterous like my personality. I feel like it's fitting. Can I get an amen? Okay. Can we move on now? Okay. We're excited. But before I dive into a brand new series today uh, called Assumptions, I want to tell you about something that I'm probably most excited about in our church. We say this all the time because of how real and true it is that really church happens between Sundays in, in small groups. We call them connect groups. Because really life happens not in rows, but in circles across a coffee table from people or we can find out what's going on in each other's world and learn how to maybe just kind of deal with some of the junk in our life. And we're launching a brand new semester this week. So it's the perfect time. On your way out today, there will be a massive pillar that'll give you insight on everything. You can text a number, you can pick up printed material, whatever it takes. But there's two I wanna draw your attention to specifically. In fact, these are two groups that I hope every single individual in our church has a chance to attend, at least at some point. The first are our freedom groups. And this is where we take nine weeks to really deal with the issues, right? Listen, we say this all the time. If you don't think you have issues, that is your issue. And so, man, you're not going to get what you need to deal with issues in 30 minutes alone on a Sunday You need some people in your world to navigate through that stuff, and Freedom Groups is the way to go. And then for those that are new to faith or exploring faith, or maybe you're new back to faith, we launched today what we're calling Alpha, and it happens on Sundays during first service. And I just want to challenge you, it would be, like, I would be the happiest pastor on the planet if every one of our members went through that at some point. It's 10 weeks long, child care is taken care of. If you're here and you're like, I don't know if I believe this Christianity thing is what what you say it is, that's a perfect course for you. And maybe you're here and you're just like brand new or I'm just trying to explore what is this thing, what does it mean to be a Christian? Or maybe you're just kind of revisiting it again for the first time in a long time. I'm telling you, this is the course for you. And so we did it on Sundays. This connect group happens on Sundays to remove every possible distraction. So if I could just ask, I'd be in a connect group. Don't miss it. But if you don't know where to go, check out the pillar. And if you still don't know, check out Freedom Groups or Alpha Groups. I think it'll be something you'll be profoundly glad that you did. Hey, I'm excited. We're kicking off a brand new series today called Assumptions. And uh, it's a series on relationships. 
period. Y'all like that graphic? Everybody's checking. I can see your grins on your face. You know what? They also have my name next to a donkey as well. I think my wife had something to do with that. Where's that slide you had up earlier? Right there. Did you feel offended? I feel offended about that. And uh, this is a series on relationships, period. Just relationships in general. And, and, and we did that on purpose because it doesn't matter what relationship you're in. If you're husband and wife, brother and sister, best friends for life, employer to employee, neighbors, coworkers, this is for you. And that's because assumptions typically ends up being the biggest problem that we have. Let me ask you this, just to poll the audience. Have you ever had this thought? And be honest, have you ever had this thought, why can't everyone think like me? Anybody else? Would you raise your hand? Okay, awesome. You're our favorite people. I'm starting a connect group for us. Just for don't you? Can I get an amen, right? And then how many of you have ever heard someone else say that? Like, why can't everyone think like me? And you thought to yourself, holy Moses, thank God nobody thinks. Anybody else had that thought? And, and the reason is, the problem is, we, we've landed on this conclusion, regardless of your personality, regardless of your background, that we've landed on this conclusion that I'm right and you're wrong. Or maybe we say it this way, I'm righter and you're wronger, right? Is that, that's, that's okay if I say that, isn't it? I'm right and you're wrong. And then we camp here. We just hang out there. And, and our first response in interactions and in relationships is to assume or to draw a conclusion as to not just the what, but the why. Why did he or she say that? Why did he or she do that? Here's a definition of the word assumptions we're gonna use for this series, and that is something which I accept as, or as, as sorry, sorry, something I accept as true or as certain to happen without proof. Something that I accept as true or as certain to happen without proof. It sounds like this. I have the assumption that I know what you are thinking. Right? If we've been around people long enough, we feel pretty convinced we know what it is you're thinking. Or I know why you said that. Or why you were late getting home from work last night. Or I assume that we're actually on the same page. Or you assume that I actually care about what you care about. Or, or maybe this is a bigger one for some of us. I assume that my actions won't really affect you later down the road. And these assumptions can become destructive. And our, our theme verse for this series is found in Proverbs chapter 11, verse two. And we're actually gonna use the passion paraphrase for this series, because I want you to read this. Check this out, it says, when you act with presumption, convinced that you're right, don't be surprised if you fall flat on your face. But look at what it says next. But walking in humility helps you to make wise decisions. Now here's kind of a, a secret uh, behind the scenes of this series. We're actually gonna take a multifaceted approach to this series as opposed to a linear one. So, so listen, please don't miss a Sunday or a podcast because I really do believe if we'll lean in, we can eliminate the pattern of assumptions in our world. And here's the reason why. I believe that if we don't eliminate the patterns of assumption, then we actually give way to darkness. We give, we give darkness room to move through assumptions. So let's pray and just ask that God will open our ears and our hearts to everything he wants to say and do. Can we do that? And before we pray, even if you're here and you're not sure what it is that you believe, permission to belong 
before you believe. I just want us to be open to the possibilities, just to the possibilities of the nuances of what God could potentially do. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're here in this place. We thank you that you've already leaned in. And and God, right now, I just pray that you'd open our ears to hear and our heart to receive all that you wanna do. God, we don't wanna leave here the same. We wanna leave changed. And God, we want the relationships that we're in to be productive and fruitful. So God, do a work inside each of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You know, uh, a, a few months back, some dear friends of ours who are, are members of this church, uh, I don't know if you guys know Sean and Maria Lankford. Anybody been impacted by Sean and Maria? Some of the greatest people on the planet and in our church. And a few months back, they had their third child who's got the greatest name on the planet. Uh, her name is Aubrey, but her middle name is also Carrie. And I'm, I just think it's the best name ever. And uh, they had Aubrey, but when she was born, there were some complications. So she had to be taken to NICU, uh, the neonatal ICU for infants. And so as you can imagine, for mom and dad, that's a pretty crazy time, pretty crazy experience. And so I I was heading to the hospital to go and visit them. So I had kind of headed out to Mission Hospital right over here across the five. And I don't know if you know this or not, but as a pastor, I actually can get almost anywhere in a hospital. It's pretty awesome. Literally almost into every operation room because of last rites. And so I like to like hold that power every time I go. I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm a pastor. Excuse me, excuse me. Most people think I don't care, but I can go almost anywhere. Even if it's your child, you may not be able to go where I can go. Yes, that, that's about all that, the perks that come with this job. So I like to take full advantage of it. And so I headed up to Mission to go see Sean and Maria. I wanted to comfort Maria and try to make Sean laugh and then pray for little baby Aubrey. And I got there, and I don't know if you've been to this hospital, but they have a little reception desk and there's some uh, amazing um, seasoned men and women who you know, are just you know, a little bit older than most of you are, at least most of you, and they volunteer there, and they're the sweetest, most amazing individuals. And I went up and said, hey, I'm here to see uh, the Langfords. They're upstairs in, in NICU. I gotta go check out and be there and pray for this baby. And, and she like, types as slow as she possibly could on the keyboard. Uh, I can't find their last name in our system. I said, well, let's look again. They're there. I mean, they've been here for a couple days now. And man, baby Aubrey, she's in NICU. And I'm a pastor, by the way. I gotta, gotta get there as quick as I can. And she's typing one key at a time. I don't see that. Are you sure they're here? I'm like, ma'am. Bless your heart. Can you check again? Because they're deaf. I'm giving my la- my license, and she scanned it, printed a sticker, and I'm like, I, I'm like, they're here. And she said, No, 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 they're not in our system, and I can't let you upstairs until I find them in your system. I'm like, I can run past you, get on the elevator before you can ever catch me. And I'm a, I'm a pastor. There are people in this hospital who need prayer. You need to let me go. She's like, Son, and I was like, Oh. I'm not letting you go past this point until I find their name in our system. And then what commenced after that was a very loud argument between me and this volunteer. Ma'am, I've got to get upstairs to the NICU as quickly as I can. Young man, I will not let you go up there until I find their name in the system. We're going back and forth. I'm texting Sean, bro. Did you use an alias when you checked in here? Is there something that I don't know? No, it's under Langford. It's room 324. I said, it's in room 324. She said, young man, they are not in this system. I'm like, lady, I will knock you out on the way up the elevator. 
And I'm going back and forth. And all of a sudden I get a text from Sean. He's like, hey, are you at Kaiser Health Center off Sand Canyon? I said, what? What was that? Question mark, question mark. Where, where are you, Sean? We're at Kaiser Health Center off Sand Canyon. I was like, okay. What lie can I tell to this woman now? And I'll have you know, I didn't lie. I apologized profusely. I actually saved the text. I almost showed you. I said, I'm so sorry. I promise I'm not normally heated, but as a baby, I was praying for a baby. She's like, it's okay, young man. And I got in my car and I drove humbly to Kaiser and then went to the wrong hospital again. So I've got major problems. You guys pray for me. But here's the problem. I assumed, they live in Mission Viejo. I assumed they were going to go to the hospital in Mission Viejo. I mean, it just made sense to me that they would go to the hospital that made sense to me. And we do this all the time in our relationships. We just assume you would think like I think. Why wouldn't you? (laughs) The problem is in relationships, the stakes are much higher. And the pain is much greater. So I want to break down the theoretical reasoning and the theoretical breakdown for assumptions. There's actually terms for it. And one of them is the fundamental attribution error. I've spoken on this before. Another is correspondence bias. I want to break this down. We're going to be very practical in this series because I want you to hit Monday and hit the ground running and be able to navigate through the nuances of your relationships. So let me unpack for you what the fundamental attribution error or correspondence bias is. Here's the definition. It's when I attribute a person's intention, character, or motive to their behavior rather than external circumstances. However, when it comes to myself, What I do is I I won't actually take those same interpretations to my own behavior. Let me unpack it for you. Let's say that you text me and say, hey, Pastor Kerry, PC, I'd love to go grab some coffee with you this week. Would you like to hang out? To which I then ghost your text. Some of you are wondering what that means. That means I failed to respond to your text. And in that moment, you assume that I don't really wanna hang out with you. And that's why it is that I'm not responding to your text. And I'm just waiting and avoiding responding until it's too late and the date has already come and passed and we can no longer hang out. I'm just avoiding you. But if the tables had been turned and I text you, hey bro, can we go hang out and grab some coffee? On your end, it's not internal motive. You you knew it was external. You got the text and walked into a meeting that was supposed to be 30 minutes, but it ended up being three hours. I got out of that, dove into tons of work, then on the way home, had to call a coworker, got there. My kids were going crazy. I hung out with them and my wife and we ate dinner. I just got in bed and I forgot to text you. That's what the fundamental attribution error is. When you fail to match or meet my expectation, I attribute your issues, your behavior to your motive and your intent. But when it's me, it's something that happened outside of my control. It's an external reason. And our problem is that we react or respond in those scenarios based upon our assumptions. And this is when we get into trouble. So I actually am going to break down in the most simple form where our reaction is birthed, where our response is birthed. I'm going to kind of unpack 
in four steps how we land on reaction. Now, for those of you that are linear and systems and perfect structure, I'm gonna skip an order, so just breathe easy. For those of you that don't care, you're gonna love this part of the sermon. So four things take place, and the first thing is this. We see or hear or experience something. I shot Pastor Kerry a text, and he didn't respond. We're gonna skip step two. We go to step three. I feel something. He doesn't care about me. He's trying to, I'm not as important to him as other people in the church are. I feel something. Step four, I react based upon my feelings. Is this making sense? So that's what happens in our reaction. Our reactions are usually what get us into trouble and they stem from step two. So I see something, I hear something, I experience something. And then the next thing that we do is where we get into trouble and that's where we tell ourselves a story. An assumption. I tell myself the story that if I was maybe more involved at the church than Pastor Kerry would have actually responded. I tell myself the story that I, I just, I'm always forgotten and overlooked. I always have been and he must not care either. Can you see this happening in your relationships? with coworkers, with your fiance, with your best friends. And this is where we get into trouble. This is where we get offended. Folks, this is where marriages break down, right here. Why? Because we assume or we make a judgment call of someone else's motives. Look at what Jesus said about this. He actually unpacked this for us in John chapter seven, verse 24. Look at what he says. He says, do not judge by appearances. So don't allow what you see or hear or experience to connotate a judgment. He says this, but judge with right judgment. Now that word right literally unpacks a labyrinth of meaning. And I want to take a few moments today for second service, and I want to give you biblical permission on when and how you can assume and judge people. Are y'all ready for that? There's literally, there's actually biblical permission. I just want you, I want you isn't that good news? I'm going to give you permission biblically to judge people. Are you ready for that? So here's five things that you need to do in order, this is the best sermon you've ever heard. Are you guys ready? So in order for you to have permission, you see, hear, or experience something, and here's the biblical permission you get Step one, you've got to remove your flaws, your issues, and your sin. Easy. Done. So you remove your sin, remove your issues, remove your imperfections. And once you, that's step one. So y'all, half of y'all are there already. Isn't that good? First service, we prayed for them. They're jacked up really bad. Step one, remove your sins, your flaws, your issues, get rid of them. Step two, are you ready for this? Repent. Not, not to God, but to the person who offended you. So you go to them and say, hey, for any time that I have neglected you or hurt you or rejected you or offended you, would you please forgive me? The person you're ticked off at, you go to them first, you say, well, get rid of your sin. Then you go to the person you're angry with, you say, hey, would you forgive me for being an idiot? Are y'all tracking me? Y'all already have permission to judge. Here's step three. You ready for this? Insert mercy. Mercy is undeserved love. I mean, how often in relationships do we wait to show love until we feel they deserve it? And then we insert grace. Grace is unearned love. Whew. Unearned love. And then we forgive. And then while we're there, we throw in a little bit of hope. 
And when all that's done, remove the sin, ask for forgiveness, insert mercy, grace, forgiveness, and hope. After all that, then you can assume and judge away. You just go, you just judge to your, you get some judgment and you get some judgment and you get some, but hey, there's step five. Here's the kicker. This is the fun part. Just know that when you judge, it's coming back at you 10 times the amount. So Jesus is saying, hey, bro, maybe just maybe you shouldn't be so quick to assume. The passion translation of this very scripture kind of breaks it down in just a couple of words. Look at this. Stop judging based on the superficial. First, you must embrace the standards of mercy and truth. So let's just pause for a moment right here. Let's just kind of take a, a breath and, and let's evaluate internally, not the person seated on your right or your left, not the person you brought with you today, not, not your husband, not your wife, but you specifically. And, and let's evaluate which of your relationships are currently being affected by assumptions. Like, I think this is a place where you start writing that down. Which of your relationships are currently being affected by assumptions? Are, are assumptions creating unnecessary gaps with those that are closest to you? Is there an undercurrent of tension in your relationships? In other words, I, I love them. I'm committed to them. I'm not going anywhere. But under the surface is a tension that is palpable. Or maybe for you... It, this doubt or fear or frustration create the toppings of your interactions. My wife has a favorite coffee beverage. No matter where we go, she gets it every time. It's a red eye, light brevet, and cinnamon on the top. <laughs> so just some brewed coffee, add a shot, a little bit of cream, and sprinkle some cinnamon on top. And without fail, if I have to go in and order the drink, I always forget one thing. You already feel what I'm saying, the coffee. No, I'm kidding. I bring it out to her, and before she even puts this to her lips, and she breathes in the aroma of the nectar from heaven, which is coffee. Can I get an amen from some godly people in here? And she smells, and there's no cinnamon. She looks at me with horrible eyes. Do you like that for the camera? Now we can have a lot of fun with this. And she says, did you put cinnamon on this? That's exactly how she sounds. Don't let her fool you. Did you put cinnamon on this? And I'm like, no. And she throws the coffee at my face. I'm just, my, my entire chest has third degree burns on it. I'm kidding. Why? The cinnamon doesn't really even affect the flavor very much, but it creates the toppings of the aroma that create the atmosphere and the ambiance of the drink. Are you track with me? And for some of us, we've allowed assumptions to create the toppings in the relationships and it's affecting and permeating everything. Are you all track with me today? That was a lot better than you amened. Are assumptions affecting your relationship with yourself? With yourself. I don't know if you guys know our executive pastor, Gurley. How many of you have been impacted by Gurley Gordy? Come on. She is just insane. She, everything she does, it does, she does it exceptionally well. It turns to gold. It's kind of very frustrating, actually. But I finally found her weakness. So we exploit that because all of us are intimidated by her. And 
I don't know if you know this or not, but she's terribly, deadly afraid of snakes. Anybody else in here afraid? I have some. Can y'all bring those in real quick? I'm kidding. So y'all freaked out right there. Like she is deathly afraid. Like she would leave crying and screaming. Her husband would come out and just beat me up on the stage. It'd be horrible. And so I don't know if you know this, but Gurley and Pastor Jeremy and Shana, some others, we work out pretty consistently together and trying to stay healthy and in shape. And she's insane. Like she took our game to a whole new level because of how insane and awesome she is. But there's a place in my neighborhood that's a hill that we run up and down consistently and it's affectionately termed Rattlesnake Hill. Now, I have been running, if I'm honest, I've been, for the last five years, I haven't been running. I've been looking at it last year. I've been running up and down this pretty consistently, and that name was given to it by somebody in my neighborhood, and I didn't tell Gurley we were going to be working out there. I just said, hey, Gurley, Jeremy, Shana, meet me here. We're going to do a workout on this hill. We got to the top of the hill, and I said, we're going to do burpees and push-ups and this and that and the other. Oh, and BTW, Gurley, this is called Rattlesnake Hill. (laughs) She started weeping. And how many of you in here are older siblings? Raise your hand. For me, that was the greatest moment. I was like, yeah! And I said, you, I'm her boss. So I made her do this workout. She's running down the hill and up the hill. She's crying, having panic attacks. Jeremy's praying for her. Shane is like, get the prayer teams quickly. Let's help her out. And she pushed through. She did great. She motored through. But here's the funny thing about it. I, I've been on the hill, I can't even tell you, hundreds of times. I've never seen a rattlesnake on it. She's never seen a rattlesnake on it. Now, I'm sure at some point in time, rattlesnakes have crossed that hill. But what happened is Gurley believed the label given to that hill and then assumed a fear that wasn't even necessary. Look at me in the eyes for a moment. Some of you in this room, years ago, weeks ago, months ago, maybe even more recent, somebody assigned a label to you. And you believed that it was true because they saw that in you and you assumed that if they saw that, then it must be true, and you've allowed that to impact and permeate your life. What assumptions about yourself are you believing and allowing to impact the way that you live your life? Assumptions, they literally, they they permeate every relationship. I wonder how many of us have allowed assumptions to affect our relationship with Jesus. If you're in that category, you, you, you wouldn't be alone. In fact, We can read in the scriptures and find that even Jesus' brothers didn't believe he was the Messiah until after his death, burial, and resurrection. In Mark chapter 3, 21, they literally said, he's crazy, get him out of here. His closest homies, his disciples, one of them betrayed. The rest of them were convinced that he was building a guerrilla warfare for militia to overthrow the tyrannical rule of the Roman Empire. It would be easy for us to have misguided assumptions or presumptions about who Jesus is. Maybe for some of you in this room, you know that he loves you, but you're convinced that he's probably disappointed with you. Like, I know he loves me, but if he sat down with me, I think he would probably give me the list of things and times that I've just let him down. Or maybe for some of us, we're pretty sure that he assesses my value in comparison to hers or to his but that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, the Bible, when, when God was telling Joseph what to name Jesus, he said, you'll name him Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. God, with, that means like this, God with us right here. Like, a, like Jesus just wants to be this much a part, how are you? 
this much a part of our world. Like right here in the midst, I think sometimes that there's a nuance and a characteristic of Jesus that's a lot like my dog. Is that sacrilegious to say that? Well, just hang tight. Give me a minute. Let's make, maybe it's making sense. I have a Labrador retriever. How many of you have a dog in here? We're awesome. How do you just love labs? Everyone does. And if you have cats, we're praying for you. We'll help you find another church. But that's another conversation. My dog, man, the moment I walk in the door, her tail's wagging and she's like ready to bounce. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. You're back. It's, you're back. We can hang out. It's only been 30 minutes, but you're back. Can we hang out now? This is awesome. And she's so excited. She's the only one in my life who's like that with me. So I love my dog. And I walk in the bedroom and she follows me and then I'll pet her. She'll literally go in circles around my leg and I'll scratch her all over. She's like, hey, it's so good. We're best friends. This is awesome. And I'll go in the kitchen. You know, she, she follows me in the kitchen. Oh, we're here. We're hanging out. This is the greatest day of my life. Every day I see you and it just gets better. Literally, she's the only encouragement in my life, but I love it. And I go sit down on the couch and she's ready to jump up on the couch. I go to the bed and she's ready to get on the bed. Just hang out, just lay there. Just sit. She's 85 pounds, but she thinks she's like a little kitty cat. She'll jump on your lap like, hey, we can be best friends. I can be this close to your face and we can talk to each other. This is awesome. Literally, she follows me every other day. I went into the kitchen and I, I was doing some work in there and I stepped back and I, I didn't know she was right there and I stepped on her, on her tail and she goes, Arr! and she ran out of the room and I was like, oh, Lucy, I'm so sorry. And then I went into the living room and I sat down on the couch. And she came right back over. She's like, hey, it's okay that you hurt me. It's no big deal. Can we hang out? <laughs> and I actually really believe that, that that's the same attitude that Jesus has towards us. Not silly and superfluous like a lab, but hey, can we just hang out? Oh, I'd love to be a part of your world. Yeah, I'll be with you at work and at home and man, in the car and in your relationship. Man, can we just hang out? What's going on? And tell me about it. And what are the things that are challenging for you? And, and then there's times where we hurt him with our actions, our inactions, and our words, and he's like, oh, it's okay. I don't mind. I, in fact, I love you now more than ever. Can we just hang out? Emmanuel, God with us. I would hate it if you left here and allowed your assumptions to affect your relationship with Jesus. The bottom line is that assumptions are probably affecting all of us at some level and some layer of every relationship that we're in. So I wanna give you some practicals today some things to take home. And, and really there's just one kind of key thought and that is that you need to take some personal ownership for your life. Like you choose, you choose. You have the power to choose whether or not assumptions are at work in your relation. Let me show this to you. Let me show you exactly how this happens. It begins with the story that we tell ourselves. You see, when we see or hear or experience something, whether it's someone that lets us down in a, in a massive way or it's seemingly insignificant or if it's betrayal or whatever layer it might be, when, when we see or experience or hear something that has a profound impact, we choose right there what story we tell ourselves. We choose how we're going to allow this to impact before we feel, before we act. Literally, the way that you think dictates the emotions that you feel. You choose the narrative 
of the story of your life. And for most of us, this is a challenge because we're going so fast and so many of us act so quickly before we actually think or we speak before we actually think. So I wanted to give you three practicals to remind yourself daily because if you're like me, it's gonna take remembering it every single stinking day. Can anyone else relate to me? Three things, I wanna encourage you to write these down. Number one, you don't corner the market on truth. In other words, you're not the only one who gets to dictate what is right or wrong. Are you tracking with me today? The theme scripture we're using is Proverbs 11. It says, when you act with presumption, convince you're right. Don't be surprised if you fall flat on your face. The next scripture, the next part says, but walking in humility helps us or helps you to make wise decisions. That word presumptions in the English standard translation literally is the word pride. It's pride. You've probably heard it said like this, that pride comes before a fall. This is the scripture where that saying is derived from. And pride always thinks, I am right. I am right. And here's the truth. Sometimes you are, but you ain't always right. You ain't always right. And if we don't actually defeat pride in our life, then two things are sure to happen. Two things. We will end up labeling or categorizing the people that we loved based upon limited information or assumptions. We end up labeling and categorizing the people that we love based upon our assumptions. And here's what's scary about that. We become unintentional co-signers on their insecurities. They already have the thoughts. We all struggle with thoughts of insecurities. We tell ourselves stories about ourselves over and over again. And if we're not careful, we allow assumptions and pride to dictate who we are. We become co-signers on the insecurities of the people that we love. We reinforce the negative thinking that they have. Another challenge is if I'm correct or even partially correct in my assumption, then I actually end up assuming the role of judge, jury, and executioner. I just sever everything before there's an opportunity and I create an atmosphere that is void of grace. So just remember, you don't corner the market on truth. Number two, it's not about me. Everybody say that, it's not about me. Let's say that again, it's not about me. You gotta know that, it's not about you. I think we could just preach an entire sermon about the, the topic, it's not about me. So maybe some of us need to just ask some questions, get some clarity, and, and maybe just set your own amazing opinion, and it is amazing. In fact, most of you have the best opinion in here, but maybe just set that on the shelf for a moment and have a conversation. Listen and understand before you arrive at a conclusion. Some of us in here are really good at listening. And so for you, maybe the step that you need to take is being open to sharing how it is that you feel. And some of you, if you're like me, are really good at not listening. Can I get an amen from some not listeners in here? And if that's you, then when something happens in your world that is conflict, set a timer for 15 minutes and say nothing. And when the timer goes off, start it over again. If you're a not listener like me, 
3.7 seconds is an eternity. Can I get an amen from some people who know what I'm talking about? So just listen. Pride says how I feel and what I think is all that matters. Now look at me for a moment. Listen. Our job is not to indicate or tell someone else that they're struggling with pride. Some of you think, I, I gotta tell, I mean, this is your issue. Your, your issue is pride. Now you need to let the Holy Spirit do that. But if you're here today and you're th- you, you constantly think, I, what I, I'm right. It's the right decision. It's the right thing. And, and, and what I'm thinking is what matters. And you might struggle with pride. Dealing with the assumption the pattern of assumption it is literally an internal shift from a selfish focus to an other's focus. An other's focus. If you don't corner the market on truth, it's not about you. And number three, grace chose you, so you choose grace. Grace chose me, so I choose grace. I choose grace. Can I pause for a moment right here? Because some of the the things and and the reasons that we struggle with assumptions is because we've been in relationships with people who should have acted and behaved better, and they didn't. And they, they should have been more trustworthy, and they weren't. And they should have been more dependable, but they left. And so then, in every relationship that I'm in, as a result, I constantly think through the filter of I don't want to go back to that place of pain again. So I allow assumptions to become my defense. And so this point of grace, if some of us are honest, you're thinking there's no way. I'm not doing that. And I know that might be the most challenging thing for you. And there are no practicals that I can give you to help with this because this is learning to be 100% dependent upon the Holy Spirit. But it's also remembering that in my darkest moment, in my hour of greatest need, in the times and countless times where I turned my back on Jesus, it was in that moment that he chose me. And if he can choose me in the midst of my imperfections, then I can lean into the Holy Spirit to give me strength to give grace when it seems impossible. It's leaning into the positive assumptions giving the benefit of the doubt as opposed to the negative assumptions. You know what it is? It's allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be the lens through which I tell myself the story. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, but not, not a memory verse. Not just something that you have hung articulately on some framed work from Hobby Lobby. Isn't that what we do? We surround ourselves with cute things and cute sayings, but we fail to let the Word of God permeate our heart. 
And then what happens is it's easy to be patient and filled with grace when everything's going great and I'm in a good mood. When you're being awesome, it's easy to be around you. It's when you ain't being awesome and I want to throat punch you. Anybody else? Am I the, don't judge me yet. Remember they gave you five steps to judging me. That's when I, I need to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, which means it has to be a part of who I am so that in the middle of my own stress and frustration and anger, it's not something that I just merely recite. It's actually coming from within me. And then it's something that's not just natural, it's a supernatural thing that takes place. And you're like, I don't even know how I have the patience for you, but I do. And we're gonna get through this thing. You track it with me today. That's God's heart towards you, and that's God's heart for you. How many of you, just with honesty, with the show of hands, would just say, man, I, I've been kind of dealing with some assumptions and I, I need God's help. Thank you for being honest. The rest of you, we're praying for you. Can I pray for us? And here's what I want to pray. I want to pray that we'll be open to being dependent on the Holy Spirit. Because that's, that's how we make it through this thing. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? God, we just thank you that you're here and you're, you're doing something in our midst. And none of us have this thing figured out. None of us have this perfectly aligned and organized. And all of us are just struggling with this, to be honest. We need your help. Would you lean in? Help us to see when we're telling ourselves the story that is not aligned with your heart for other people. And help us to choose grace like you choose for us on a daily basis. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I wanna take a few moments for the remainder of our service and, and just talk to you specifically about your relationship with God. You know what the great thing about God is he doesn't need to assume anything about you. He knows you through and through. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. If you're like me, the lack thereof. He knows your darkest moments and your darkest thoughts and he still chooses you. He knows you and he just is hoping and praying and believing that you'll choose to know him. And there's a starting line. It's not church membership. And here's the great news. It's not getting perfect. Whew. It's just choosing to believe. Just choosing to believe. And then after that, we, we just mix faith and obedience and God helps us navigate through life. But the starting point is just saying, God, I give you my life. I'm tired of trying to be in the driver's seat. It's not working out for me like I wanted it to. And some of you in this room have never made that decision. I'm not gonna embarrass you, ask you to get out of your seat. I'm gonna pray a prayer and right where you're seated, you can join me in this prayer. And some of you, look me right here in the eyes, some of you have been running from God and you've been flirting with your faith. And it's time to come running back to him. And you need to pray this prayer with me today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around, nobody moving yet. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, or it's time to pray it again for the first time in a long time, in the quietness of your own heart, 
or in a small whisper, I just want you to say these words after me. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose, but I'm not perfect, God. Would you forgive me? And now make this statement your own. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.